0: Hello, welcome to the conversation by ELL Media Network. I am Ed Stone French. Pretty Gogoy could not be here today. She is in Portland with her husband. This is a radio podcast for American news, culture, and information for English language learners. We are English language educators who have created this show to talk about American news, culture, and politics for the benefit of English language learners. We are using simple language accessible to the second language learner to introduce them to current issues in American culture and society. Our guest today is Aaron Hawley. Today's show is about the Electoral College, the quirky way Americans elect the president. Also, we'll be talking about the Electoral College in the current election. I want to welcome Aaron Hawley to our show today. He's the program developer of the Reed College of Media at West Virginia University. He develops academic programming at the Department of Journalism. Also, he is a political nerd. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me. Glad you could be with us. So, just to get into it, uh, we have a system... In the United States that I think is is not well understood by a lot of people out here and when they watch American news and they watch what's going on in the presidential election they get confused about how we elect the president they see a map with lots of states different colors they see red and blue they see a lot of numbers and they hear a lot of ideas that are very strange to them. Uh, there's a lot of nuance, a lot of things that is that are hard to understand. So I've brought you here to help us understand that, to put it in some context, give us some ideas, what's going on. Uh, it is the Electoral College, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the thing that, people need to understand about the presidential election in America. Um, as much as it's a sort of head-to-head, winner-take-all type struggle, it's not one election. It's actually 51 different elections. And, and that's something uh, that it's really important to to be able to grasp, to really understand how presidential politics works. Um, we, we're not voting nationally. Uh, we are voting in 51 different state elections in the 50 states as well as the District of Columbia. Um, and the way those 51 elections turn out uh, will ultimately determine who the president is. And what ends up happening is each state holds its own election for president, so a candidate can win one state uh, and lose another state, and it, they really are 51 winner-take-all elections except actually in the case of uh, Maine and Nebraska, who proportion their their votes a little differently. But, but essentially, the way it works is uh, each state has a certain number of electoral college votes, uh, and that's determined roughly by population. So the, the most populous states uh, have the most votes, whereas the least populous states uh, have the fewest votes. And so That ranges uh, anywhere from three Electoral College votes for the smallest states uh, to 55 Electoral College votes for California. So the state that I live in, uh, West Virginia, we have five Electoral College votes. So the candidate who wins California will get 11 times as many votes in the Electoral College as the... uh, the candidate who wins my state of West Virginia. Um, and, it, and it's sort of an archaic and, and strange way to do it. Um, and it really harkens back from, to the, the founding of the country when we were really, the, this country was originally designed uh, as, as each of the states being their own sort of little country. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's a weird quirk in American politics. <laughs> But I I think it's fascinating and I think it's necessary.
0: So, uh, okay, when when I say the Electoral College and the Electoral College does something, (laughs) what does that mean? What is the Electoral College?
1: So the Electoral College uh, is not a college. It is not a place. Uh, It is not even a gathering of people. Uh, The Electoral College never meets. Uh, It really is just a term for the people who are voted to be the electors, to cast the votes representing their states. And uh, each state selects their electors uh, a little differently. The laws vary. Um, Some of them are elected on their own and and others are, uh, you know, others are just appointed party officials. Uh, The only rule about Electoral College electors is that they can't be federal officials. They cannot be involved in the federal government. They they have to represent their state and their state's parties. Uh, and pretty much the way it works is they will cast all of the votes for a state uh, based on who won the popular vote in that state. One of the quirks of the electoral college is they actually aren't legally bound to do that at all, and in fact. Throughout history, you've seen a few events where an electoral college voter refuses to vote for for who their state voted for, but but it's never actually impacted an election. Um, It it's one of the uh, you know the the political system in America is is built around laws. But it's also built around norms, just the way that we have always done things and, and a lot of – though the electoral college is built into the constitution and all that, uh, the part where the, uh, the, <laughs> the electors have to certify the will of the people in their vote or in their state is uh, more of a norm than anything else.
0: So, OK, just to be clear, the people in the electoral college can vote for whomever they want. <laughs>
1: For the most part, I mean, they could. Uh, it doesn't happen because typically the people who are who are acting as electors uh, are people who are party officials uh, from either, for me the, for either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Uh, they're involved in state government. Uh, you and me can't. I mean, we, we can't <laughs> become a member of the Electoral College. You kind you kind of have to be in the game uh, to do that. And for the most part, these folks really, uh, respect the system and, and, and they, they think it's a good system and, and they want to, uh, you know, they, they, they don't, they want to see it continue. I mean, it's, it's an essential part of the checks and balances, uh, that are built in to our government. Um, and, and so while some, electors have voted one way or the other and and voted, you know, it's typically just as a form of protest. It's never actually impacted the outcome because for the most part, the electoral college margin is not usually very small. You, you have, uh, Five hundred and thirty-eight electoral college votes, uh, and that means that the, the person who gets two hundred and seventy of those votes uh, is the president. Now, you could have a have a tie where it's uh, two sixty-nine, two sixty-nine, uh, and then that the deciding vote would be cast by the president of the Senate, who is uh, the vice president. So. But it it has not come down to that. And so most of the time the electoral college margin uh, is is pretty substantial. Um, in 2012, uh, Barack Obama won the presidency by a margin of uh, more than a hundred electoral college votes. Uh, he won 332 to 206. So it, it really the the probability of, of having a situation where the election, could be swung by a uh, by an elector who chose not to vote with the the will of the people in their state. is very slim, but it's the kind of weird political quirk guys like me uh, are fascinated by.
0: Yeah, so this is this is a strange way of doing it. To my knowledge, there is is no other country that does this. They might choose a president from a parliamentary system. Uh, or a popular vote, but right, this is actually a kind of strange way to do it in the world. Why do we do that here in the United States?
1: So, really, the the, the great Achievements of uh, representative government in the United States, is, as far as mm-hmm. developing the model that the rest of the world, uh, you know, a lot of countries have have adopted. Ooh is checks and balances you know you, you can't have absolute power you know the founders understood that when power was concentrated uh, it can things can go really wrong you know that's when you get dictators uh, that's when you get countries that can just sort of uh, just run their whole country into a ditch so they, they built in checks and balances to the system and and when we when we say checks and balances we normally talk about uh, the three branches of American government which is, the legislative branch, which is Congress, the judicial branch, which is the Supreme Court, and then the executive branch, uh, which is headed by the president. And so that's one of the checks and balances that we have in the system. But the system has many other uh, checks on power. And the Ele- Electoral College is one of those things. Uh, when, when we talk about the founding of the United States, uh, we talk about, uh, you know, liberty versus tyranny. And in a lot of ways, that most people think we're just talking about the king, because we we seceded from England, we said we don't want anything to do with the king. and And for the most part, that's true. However, one of the other things that the founders feared was not just the king, but the mob, uh, because they'd seen that 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 a mob can can get unruly and it can get out of hand, and it it can go from.
0: Uh, so the a mob would be a just large group of angry people.
1: Right. You know the, it's the people. You know, it's not the establishment. And and they also understood that, you know, they, they wanted to give the people uh, power in a democratic republic, but they also knew that they couldn't give the people absolute power. So that's why we don't have a, a true democracy. A true democracy, we would, all of us would be voting on every issue every time. Uh, and not only would that be cumbersome. Uh, it also mean, would mean that it would be hard to achieve anything because it would be hard to sort of have a steady progression from from A to B to C and to to build long-term projects. Uh, so they, they tried to figure out ways to sort of still give people representative power, but also insulate them from the meca- mechanisms of power.
0: So... Uh, So just to be clear, the the people who created the system, who shaped the system were specifically not they were trying not to give the people too much power. Absolutely. They were creating a layer between the people and choosing the president.
1: Absolutely. And and, you know, if you think of one end of the spectrum being a a king with the divine right of kings with with all power in a country uh... consolidated in one man and then the other end of the spectrum being democracy where we vote on everything and and all of the numerous individuals hold all the power uh... the founders weren't trying to go from one extreme to the other they wanted to find a happy medium uh... where the you know, the power is still vested in the people, but the mechanisms put in place for the people to utilize that power, uh, were checked at numerous points. The other really important thing about the Electoral College, um, and, and that's sort of how, why it was founded, but the, the real function that it serves today is it injects regionalism into the presidential election, um, because, Geography matters. Uh, the people in different parts of this country, the United States of America, is so large, and it's so diverse, and there are so many different groups of people who who all deserve, you know, their their needs and their issues to be represented at the uh, at the executive level in the federal government. Uh, by forcing it into a process of of fifty one different elections, you get. The different parts of the country get their uh, their issues heard in a way that wouldn't necessarily happen. If we just elected, if it was just the popular vote, then what you would have is you would have the, the political needs of the people of New York City, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, uh, and Dallas, Texas. Those would be the only people that the uh, president would really have to worry about because if you could win those votes – uh then you wouldn't need anybody else. And and the way the Electoral College works, it forces presidential candidates to go out and to listen to the needs of of a of a very diverse number of uh of groups. And and the the vote, you know, even if they're members of the same party, you know, Democrats in California have different needs than Democrats in West Virginia or Democrats in Florida or Democrats in New York. And This, you know, the Electoral College sort of forces the president to build a platform that appeals to all of those groups.
0: Yeah. So um, are there. Okay. What kind of quirks happen because we have the Electoral College? Well, there's there's two big ones. Um, First of
1: all. It's totally possible to win the presidency of the United States without getting as many votes as the other guy. And that has happened a couple of times in the history of the United States, most recently uh, in 2000, when Al Gore won the popular vote, but he lost the White House. And so why does that happen? How, you know, how does that happen? And what it is, is it's a result of the bias that the electoral college uh, injects into the system. And and there are a lot of people who are against the electoral college uh, for this very reason. And the electoral college is biased towards small states, right? So I mentioned earlier, uh, each state gets a certain number of electoral college votes, and that's based on the population. And the reason that, that they're, the number of electoral college votes they get is based on the population is because uh, the House of Representatives representation is allocated by population. So every state gets the same number of votes as they have members of the House of Representatives and senators. And the Senate is is very biased towards uh, small states because my state of West Virginia uh, that has, you know, uh, one, about 1.7 million people, which is, you know, fewer people than I think are on the island of Manhattan. Uh, we have the same number of senators as the state of New York, uh, but we don't have the same number of representatives in the House of Representatives. Uh, we have three New York has, uh, I have this number right here, I believe, I w- I'm going to say it's 29. Oh No, New York has 27 representatives in the House of Representatives. West Virginia has three. We both have two senators, but the way that math works out is, is you have 29 electoral college votes for New York, um, and you have five for West Virginia. But- West Virginia still probably has more electoral college votes than they deserve, and that's because we have two senators. the The fewest number of electoral college votes held uh, by any state is three. And that's held uh, that number, uh, there are eight states that only have three electoral college votes. That's Alaska, Delaware, Washington, DC. Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Vermont, and Wyoming. And for the most parts, those are states where people don't really live. I mean, those are the least populous states uh, in the country. They get three electoral college votes because of are two senators and their are one congressman. But it does, in the long run, skew the electoral college towards rural areas. Um, I live in West Virginia, and I'm all for it. Because if you did away with the Electoral College, we would not have a say. You know, there's not enough people in the state of West. You know, 1.7 million is just not enough votes in a uh, you know, country of – I'm not even sure how many people live in this country, but hundred, mil- hundreds of millions of people. Like We just don't have enough votes. But when there's only 538 votes and we have five of them. Then uh, that that's really you know our, our votes still
0: count and and when our state was shifted, I, thi- I think that's Aaron's uh, uh, son in the background that you he, oh. you hear by the way. <laughs> I was wondering, if, yeah,
1: I was wondering if you could hear that. I hope I didn't wake him up. You you may hear oh. Aaron's wife in a minute <laughs> cussing. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't remember what I was saying. I really hope listeners and listeners yell
0: at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that happens is, uh, I, I you know, a lot of the presidents that we get do represent rural America, uh, and a lot of the candidates that we have do seem to have a very rural American feel. And I can say I'm from I'm from West Virginia, so. I want to see West Virginia represented, but I live in New York City. Well, I live in Jersey City, but it's part of greater New York City. Uh, And I don't... One thing that I can say, we don't have a lot of presidents and presidential candidates who really represent urban areas, with Barack Obama being the the big exception to that. But I think if you look at the history... um, Of the last 30, 40 years, you don't see a lot of presidents who really represent uh, urban America. Well, our next president will. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Both of both. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Right. In either case, it's a a New Yorker.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I think, um, you know, because the electoral college is now, you know, I, I don't really need to get in an argument with you here. I would kind of dispute that last point that you made because you're I think you're giving the the Bush family credit for some like folksy wisdom that I wouldn't say they represent rural America at all. But you have to you have to pander to rural America. You have to you have to. uh really court their vote and and really sort of validate the things that they value in order to succeed in an electoral college system. I mean, you just, you you, you can't do it otherwise. And that's why you see things like, you know, when, when presidential candidates go to these places, they often take the tie off, they roll up their sleeves, they try and use a little, you know, Rural slang, folksy sayings, these sorts of things that, uh, you know, uh, they – you can't win the electoral college without it. I mean, you can, but because it's naturally biased towards those groups, that that they they sort – their influence becomes, I think, somewhat exaggerated uh, during the presidential election process.
0: Okay, I think we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with a discussion of the electoral college in the current election and how we see that playing out. Stick with us. Okay. We're back. And, uh, so when we look at the news and we see what's happening with the electoral college and we see what's happening with the electoral college in the current election, what are we looking at?
1: <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're looking at 50, 51 elections happening simultaneously. Um, And the 51st is? Washington, D.C. Okay. Who does not have any representatives in Congress, but gets three electoral college votes. So that's why it's 538 instead of 535. There are 435 members of the House of Representatives plus 100 senators. And that's what makes up the the bulk of the electoral that's how we get the uh, the electors for each state and then washington d c gets three electoral college votes despite not having representation in Congress. but what we what we see when we see all those red and blue states um, is is we're looking at at 51 elections happening simultaneously. Now, of course, these elections aren't going to happen until till November. So what we typically are looking at now, whenever you're whenever you're watching cable news uh, or you're reading political blogs or anything, you're really looking at polling and, and you're looking at sort of polling and and sort of predictions for how how each election is going to go out. Uh, and and
0: The reality is of those 51 elections, you just to uh, just to clarify, polling is they call people on the phone and they ask them how they're going to vote in various areas and they make a prediction about how that state is going to go based on these phone calls.
1: Right. Um, and, and they try and get a representative sample of the population of that state. And then they, then they make a prediction and, and, and actually polling is pretty accurate. Um. As far as you you don't have to talk to everybody in a state, you only have to talk to a very, very small sample, uh, and then you can just sort of do the math from there to to see how how that would translate statewide. Um, It's not a perfect science, but in a lot of cases, you can watch the effects of different events during the election, whether it's the... you know, the conventions or the debates or, or, or any scandals that pop up, uh, because the, these polling companies are, are, are running polls on a daily basis. You can kind of see how opinion shifts in the country. Um, but because we're talking about 51 elections, uh, some of those 51 elections are not going to be particularly close. Uh, and what that does is that starts taking table or taking states uh, really out of contention.
0: Uh, a state like California that means contention meaning that they're not. <laughs> It's, it's not, th- there's no fight over that state, right? It's not
1: going to be close. One candidate is going to win and there's little that can be done to change that. So for instance, California, uh, California is a strong democratic state that has voted uh, democratic in uh, many of the last, you know, dozen or so uh, presidential elections and, 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 that state, you know, Republicans don't even really need to go spend resources to, to try and win there. Consequently, my state, West Virginia, uh, we are about the most solid red state in the country, meaning that we are going to vote for Trump in uh, by a greater percentage than any other state. Now, we have fewer people than most other states, so that, that will only end up uh, getting Trump Five electoral college votes, whereas you know if he could win California, he'd get fifty-five. But neither of those states are uh, are really that competitive. Uh, And so what this does is it is you start taking elections uh, sort of out of the realm of competitiveness, and you don't really need to worry about them. I can tell you today who's going to win them, and what you get when 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 you have when you've done that is you get a handful of states that we refer to as swing states. And those are states that traditionally can, can go sort of either way. Um, and they may, they may vote Republican one election. They may vote Democrat the next election. Um, and sort of how those states go determine can, can really determine the election. And the three most classic swing states, um, that we hear about year in and year out uh, are Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida, uh, and it's not necessarily just because those, you know, th- there's nothing inherently unique about those states. Those aren't the most important states in the country, but each of those states is first of all very large, so they they have they all have a lot of electoral college votes. Uh, those states are also very diverse uh they're not you know they're not only full of white people they have they have large populations of people of color uh of immigrants uh and they also have a blend of urban and rural you know west virginia is a rural state uh you know connecticut is an urban state but pennsylvania there are very urban parts of it. There are very rural parts of it. And because of that, um, it makes those States crucially important. Uh, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio often turn the presidential election into a best two out of three contest. And the, the, the person who wins the, the candidate that wins two out of those three States, uh, is going to win the presidency because there are a lot of electoral college votes, uh, available
0: right so okay when we say red and blue and purple states red is generally Republican red is Republican Blue is Democrat and purple is a swing state. So it can go either way.
1: Well, yeah, or a, or a state that is, you know, swing states. When we say swing states, we tend to think about states that flip back and forth. One one, you know, one election, they vote Republican, one election, they vote uh, Democrat. Uh, another. Thing that we're referring to in a purple state is a state that is currently undergoing a demographic shift uh, and a shift from one camp to the other. So, for instance, our home state of West Virginia was...
0: So, a- for, first I'm going to uh, define demographics. Okay. Because demographics is a really important concept when we're talking here. So, and it, it comes from Greek. Uh, demos is the people and... Uh, and graphic is writing or picture. So demographics is like a picture of the people. Uh, and so when we talk about demographics, we're talking about people's age, uh, their education, their, uh, maybe their social background, uh, their race, um, things like this. So yeah. go ahead.
1: Well, so so a lot of times, you know, over time, things can change. Uh, And right now, I mean, as I was starting to say, our our home state of West Virginia for years and years and years was a steadfastly blue state where we voted Democrat and we voted Democrat because the demographics of our state at that time included a lot of uh, people who were members of labor unions, and labor unions were very powerful, and labor unions voted Democrat. Well, as the demographics changed and our state had fewer and fewer union members, our state voted more and more for Republicans. And so in 2000 and 2004, uh, we were really considered a purple state where we we had just recently shifted from blue to red. Uh, And now West Virginia is the most solidly red state in the country and it's probably not coming back anytime soon so so purple state doesn't necessarily only mean states that go back and forth but but states that are just changing and so right now uh, one of the biggest purple states is North Carolina. North Carolina used to be a solidly Republican state. The, the Republicans, for the most part, are the dominant political party in the South. In all of the states of the old Confederacy, uh, they, they vote Republican. But over the last 20 years, North Carolina has gotten more urban. Uh, they've attracted more uh, white-collar industry. Which is uh, a term for sort of highly educated and highly skilled work, uh, and they they have become their their demographics have gotten more and more diverse, uh, and people of color, whether they're African American or Hispanic uh, or or from. Other countries make up a much larger percentage of the population in North Carolina than they did even ten years ago. So a state that the Republicans used to never be able to count, used to always be able to count on, and never had to worry about, uh, has was won by Barack Obama twice, and right now it's uh, it's a it is polls right now have it as as a state that that Hillary Clinton can win and in fact a state that she's leading in and right now uh Georgia also in the deep south uh based on the same sort of demographic changes uh is also up for grabs for the democrats and and these are states that the the democrats have not won in a presidential election you know Georgia they they probably have not won in a presidential election for over fifty years, maybe a hundred years. I mean, it 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 it's amazing. But what happens is is the the population of the country changes, and the the picture of who the country is ch- is constantly changing, and uh, and that has a big obviously has a big effect on American politics.
0: Yeah, the changes in the deep south right now, Georgia, North Carolina. Uh this is this these are very big changes in the country. Uh I mean, if you had asked me 15 years ago if I ever thought Georgia would vote for a Democrat, uh I would not have really thought so. Um and uh it, so and and i i would also point out that probably and i don't know this as a fact but i i think that georgia maybe the last time they voted for a democrat the democratic party was a very different political sure, party sure and um, there been- and there i think there might be an exception to that i think they might have voted for Wow. Um I don't uh, know. Clinton won the South, but part of, parts of the South, I know, but Yeah,
1: but I don't think he won Georgia. Not that I can look right. it up for you right now. And <laughs> and and the thing, I mean, the thing about it is it's an, one of the great fears of you know, a lot of people who are voting Republican is that this picture of the country is changing. And you know, we are very close to becoming a majority minority country. And that affects Uh, our elections in a big way and and the reality is the map is changing i mean the map in our childhood the south was not the democrats had to win elsewhere the democrats ever since the passing of the the civil rights act in 1964 we're not even really remotely competitive in the South. Um, and in fact, 1964 is the last time the Democrats won more than 51% of the white vote. And when, and that's pretty amazing. And when, when you consider you have Lyndon Johnson's a Democrat, you got, you got Jimmy Carter's a Democrat, uh, you got Bill Clinton's a Democrat, Barack Obama's a Democrat. You know, so the Democrats have won the presidency in this time, but they haven't done it winning a majority of the white vote. And as the country becomes more diverse, that helps the Democratic Party. And and not to get into too much analysis of the current election, but when you when you look at the way Trump sort of lashes out at minorities, uh, people of color, uh, people of different religions and races, a lot of that is is pent up anxiety from, from Porsche, people who live in parts of the country where they're, that are still, you know, 95% white, that, that maybe they're not going to have that control anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, it, it, people are, I feel, uh, isolated from, they, they, they feel like America is changing around them and they don't have that. That control But um, uh, to, uh, to bring it back to The Electoral College uh, What other swing states Are we talking about Right, I think I saw Missouri even Missouri Missouri is a,
1: yeah. Missouri's a very strange state To begin I mean it's, an, it's another state That's very big uh, It has lots of rural areas Also has uh, some major metropolitan areas uh, But yeah Missouri Like right now Missouri and Georgia just as far as the polling is concerned, uh, are the two closest states the the two states that you could maybe flip a coin? And and what's what's amazing is after those two states, you probably have South Carolina and Arizona uh, as well. And really, all those states we're talking about states that used to be very Republican, and now there's the possibility that the Democrats win them. And what may happen is the map may look different. You know, for the for the last few elect, you know, elections, when everything was said and done, you have the the urban coasts voting for the Democrats and then the sort of rural middle of the country uh, voting for the Republicans and whatever sort of populist states that don't fall into those two categories, your Ohio's, your your Pennsylvania's, your Illinois, those those are the states that.
0: That decide the election. Uh, so a few other states that people always check in, you know, when they talk about swing states, actually New Hampshire, yeah, uh, which is in the northeast. Um, but it's pretty. Rural. I don't think they've <laughs> it's pretty rural. They they can they can vote. A little more Republican, but I don't think they've voted Republican in the presidential race in a very long time. But it's it's a state that always gets looked at uh, each time. Just they check it out to see if it's going to go one way or the other. Um, uh, I think also Utah is is. Is another state they're
1: talking about. Uh, they're talking about Utah because it's totally crazy that they might vote for a Democrat. And let's be clear, they're not going to vote for a Democrat. Uh, but Romney won that state. And of course, Mitt Romney, the Republican nominee in 2012, is a Mormon. Uh, Utah is a strongly Mormon state. Uh, I think he, he beat Obama by like 72 percentage points. Uh, it will be closer. Uh, it... If Hillary Clinton won Utah, it would be a big story. But I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. The the, the 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 religious conservatives in Utah are turned off by Donald Trump, but I still think a lot of them ultimately
0: are going to vote for Donald Trump. So the 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 polls right now, and if you go, you can go to. Um, uh, it, 538 blog, and I can put the link up on the uh, on our on our blog, so you can find it, um, and you can look at a map of the country, and you can get an idea of how people are go- of how each state is going to vote. Um, but sometimes people are saying this is a this is not a normal election. Uh, so, we look at the map and we say, hey, I think 538 has the chances of Trump winning at about 16% uh, today, and it's gone down to about 12%, I think, last week. Uh, so they're saying that Clinton is, is is going to win. She's got an 85% chance of winning, something like this. Um, but." Other people are saying this is not a normal election. We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have a response to that? I do. And I, I have a very strong
1: response to that. Um, and that's that we do know what's going And Hillary Clinton is going to be elected president. By a landslide, and and what I what I mean by saying we know this is what's going to happen is that right now that's what the polling says is going to happen, and right now we're during a, we're at a time in the year where the polling is actually fairly predictive. Um, who's winning in the polls now typically goes on to win the presidency. Now there's this sense with Trump that. Oh, man, this guy is crazy. This guy is wild. He says things that politicians have never said. He's rewritten the books uh, on on Trump and, and all of that, or on politics, and, and just – but the reality is the polls were right about Trump the whole time, and the people who said Trump couldn't win were actively ignoring the polling because Trump polled very, very strong throughout the whole primary
0: I- I, th- I Oh, yeah. I think you're talking about the primary. Uh, well, yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. And and, and I think we – to answer your question, I think that sense that anything can happen is all tied up in sort of how shocked we are that that Donald Trump made it this far. And because that happened and, – and a year ago, people would have told you you were crazy if that – if you'd have predicted that. Because that happened, we feel like anything can happen. But that – That has been what the polling said could happen the whole time. I mean, Donald Trump, during the primaries, he was ahead in every poll, and the so-called experts – just poo-pooed it and said, "No, no, 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 no. That that can't. Happen. I know, but be- I know better than the people that these polling firms are calling up and asking who they're voting for. And so when, like, if you look at the context of all of the primaries, where now we're going from like 51 elections for the for the general election to 102 elections for the primary, because you have a, an election on on each side, um, there's actually only one surprising outcome in the primary, uh, based on an outcome that the polls didn't really predict and that's Bernie Sanders win in Michigan. So you you have you have a you know you have 102 elections and 101 of them pretty much went the way the polls said they were going to go and you have this one election that didn't and it's in fact not the one that we're really talking about. I mean we we're just I I think if you Think of it from a sort of statistical perspective. We're we're just putting too much weight uh, into the variable that we're shocked that Trump got this far, you know. And and really, people were kind of late adopters to the idea of taking Trump seriously. Uh, but the polls took him seriously the whole time. So when it when it comes to this election, I don't see any reason to believe why uh, that it that it won't turn out the way the polls are saying right i mean right now the you know 538 says that uh hillary clinton's going to win about 346 electoral college votes donald trump's going to win about 191 so that's that's a that's a pretty decisive win on hillary's part uh, i think that's going to happen and and part of the reason that I think that's going to happen is you start talking about paths to victory. And that's something that you, you'll hear a lot on cable news, like, well, what's Hillary's path to victory? And that means how can Hillary cobble together 270? And because the the states that she sort of starts out with in, in, in her camp are bigger, you know, Trump Trump starts out with West Virginia's five electoral college votes. Hillary starts out with California is fifty-five. You know she's ahead already. She she's gonna win New York. Uh, she's gonna win. If you look at it, if if Hillary just wins Florida, she wins the she she'll win the election. She she wins Florida. She can lose every other swing state to Trump. You know any as long as she, if if and by that I mean in the elections where the margin is close she can lose them all to trump as long as she wins florida whereas on trump's side because all the states where his margin is big don't have a lot of votes he he really has to sort of run the table on the on the uh, swing states and and by that i mean he really needs to get every single one of them hillary if she wins florida she locks it up but even if she loses florida she's still in great shape if she gets ohio and pennsylvania but you know if she she can still lose florida and ohio as long as she picks up north carolina and nevada you know and she she just has a lot of options whereas right now there are really only a few different ways that donald trump can win and with the polls where they are they all look less and
0: less likely but hey okay still got 2 months <laughs> two months left to go. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. And then uh w- w- maybe we should uh talk li- in a in a later episode we can talk about an October surprise. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and what that's all about. Um but uh thank you very much for uh Being on the show today And um, Maybe uh, Maybe we should also do An episode on Trump as an As an abnormal uh, Presidential candidate I think that might be Very interesting To our To listeners
1: It's it's his defining quality
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for listening. And please follow us and download our podcast. Tell your friends to listen as well. Feel free to email us with comments and questions at network at gmail.com. Our audio engineer is Sarah Ibrahim. The conversation is for educational purposes only. And the opinions expressed in the show are not necessarily the opinions of the show hosts or guests. I am Ed Stone French. We are The Conversation on ELL ELL Radio Network. See you next time.